In today's highly competitive mortgage industry, building profitable relationships with real estate agents is essential for success. However, finding effective ways to secure agent relationships can be a challenge. With so many mortgage loan originators vying for the attentions of real estate agents, it can be difficult to stand out and establish meaningful connections. Our new case study featuring loan officer Chris Coghill is a must read. Chris has closed a remarkable 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals. And in this case study, he shares his proven strategies for building strong relationships with real estate agents and leveraging those relationships to drive more business. To get your hands on this resource, head over to locasestudy.com and download your free copy of the case study today. You'll find actionable insights and practical tips that Chris used to close 36 million in funded loans from agent referrals and how you can too. Don't miss out. Go check it out right now. Visit locasestudy.com and download your free copy today. Welcome to Mortgage Marketing Radio, brought to you by the Mortgage Marketing Institute, your number one source for truth in mortgage marketing. Hey, listeners, what's up? This is Jeff Zimfer. Welcome to another episode of the Mortgage Marketing Radio podcast. So thrilled you tuned in. We got a special one today. I'm going to tell you about that in just a moment. Before I do, let me give a quick shout out to one of our podcast listeners who left us a review. And this comes from Rake11. Rake11. 11 says rockin' podcast. So I'm new to the lending side of the business. After eight years as a realtor selling over 20 homes per year, I made a change. In many ways, I moved to a whole new state. I'm enjoying the lending side and new challenges. This podcast has been an awesome addition to my morning to get me going, adding ideas, perspective, and getting me pumped. All right, rockin' podcast, Rake 11. Thank you so much for leaving that review. We appreciate you. And if you're listening and you haven't left us a review yet, hey, I'd appreciate it. It's always positive feedback to know that we are making a difference for you out there. What do you get when you leave a review? Just like Rake 11, he's going to get himself some podcast swag, a t-shirt, a swag box and stuff. You can get the same for you. By the way, rockin' uh, Rake 11, <laughs> please go to my Facebook page, message me, let me know your t-shirt size and mailing address, and we'll send you off a swag box. Um, and if you want to leave us a review, you can do the same. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, go to my Facebook page. Uh, we have a podcast page just from podcast listeners. That's uh, just search Mortgage Marketing Radio on Facebook. Get more resources, access, community in there, all about helping you succeed uh, as an originator in this awesome, fun business. Okay, so that being said, I also don't want to overlook that if you are looking to take your business to the next level, you're looking for better, more successful, deeper, uh, more profitable agent referral partnerships, go check out the Mortgage Marketing.pro membership. Um, that is for originators who want to have more success with agents who want to become a modern originator as well and get access to a bunch of self-paced modules and learnings, Facebook ads, YouTube, Instagram, et cetera. I put a short, short video up about that. You can go check it out at mortgagemarketing.pro. Okay, let's get into this week's very special episode. And I'm thrilled, honored. You know, there's sometimes some moments in one's career, I guess, that stand out as highlights. And this is definitely one of them uh, because my special guest today has been a mentor both from afar and directly for some time. There's actually a funny story, which I won't go into depth here on this time, this session, but um, I actually had the privilege of, of meeting this uh, this uh, gentleman in his office roughly 10 years ago or so. 
and just as an incredible human being, um, but also has a, achieved some incredible things in his career. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about Mr. Jay Abraham. Jay Abraham is a business expert and icon. And let me just read to you a couple of the comments and testimonials. Uh, I mean, he's worked with Tony Robbins. He's worked with Damon John. Uh, he's worked with FedEx. The New York Times says that Jay is amongst the best entrepreneurial coaches in the country. Uh, he has worked with thousands of businesses, hundreds of industries, and has a unique perspective on business models, thinking processes, mindsets, strategic approaches to help businesses achieve quantum leaps in their success and income. Uh, Jay has generated, uh, I think the last figures they call Jay the $29 billion man in that through the consulting and work that he's done with organizations over the last several decades uh, that his clients have collectively generated. Uh, I think it's about $29 billion in increased revenues collectively um, by working with Jay. I'm just looking at the list here, right? One company took from 800 million to 2 billion. Um, uh, so anyway, I think here's the bottom line. Here's what Tony Robbins says at Jay, right? Jay is almost to take any company and uncover a minimum of 10000 and a maximum of a million dollars in windfall profits that the company has just sitting waiting to be harvested. So I wanted to have Jay on to have, to have this conversation about how do we do just that? How do we uh, gain a powerful advantage? How do we uh, uncover and identify unharvested profits and opportunities sitting right under our nose? And oftentimes what it takes is somebody else to point those out for us. And I hope that this conversation with Jay does this today. Jay has uh, you know, spoken at the uh, Mastermind Summit, Stephen Marshall's event in Las Vegas. He's worked in the real estate space. He's got testimonials from pretty much every respected thought leader and business professional under the sun. I'm just scrolling them here on his website. They go on and on and on. And we're going to put links to everything in the show notes. By the way, I suggest you check out his book, which was a very influential book for me. It's called Getting Everything You Can Out of All You've Got. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. Go to his website, abraham.com. He's got tons of free resources and downloads uh, for you to check out there. I would say just dive in, invest, put anything Jay Abraham does on your to listen to read list and you won't be disappointed. And I'm so thrilled to share this conversation with you. And as always, what you'll hear when listening to this conversation is Jay is really, he's, he's a critical thinker, right? So you're not necessarily going to get the, Hey man, I need one idea to get me alone today, right? It's not the quick instant fix because that's short term and that doesn't really produce real change. So this conversation Jay and I have is very uh, reflective, very, um, strategic in nature versus overly tactical. But I hope there's some discoveries and um, opportunities for you and application that you will take away from this conversation and start to implement in your, in your business. And I'd love to know your feedback on this episode. Email me, podcast at Mortgage Marketing Radio. Love your feedback. Leave us a review as well. Without further ado, let's get into this week's show. Jay Abraham, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Pleasure, honor to have you here. You know, it's funny, I'm prepping for this. Uh, I didn't show you this before, but I busted this copy out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's one of my favorites. I like that book. It's it's very it's very fun read. It is a, it is a fun read. I've got it earmarked and yellowed and all that kind of jazz. And, you know, uh, I'm a, I've been a student of yours for a long time. Obvious Adams, right, back in the day. That's all great. Those... And you're right. I mean, all that stuff is still, it's, yep. it's as applicable today, has to be translated to 
you know, more of a technological world, but it really, it's, it's all universal human nature. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. So, uh, let's, let's kick it off this way. Um, people heard the formal intro before we got into our talk here, but I saw something, uh, and uh, doing some research for this. I think this sums up you quite, quite appropriately. I'll let you kind of unpack. What does this mean? Uh, you are self-described ethical pusher of a drug called strategic thinking. Yeah. 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 What is what does that mean? Explain that if you wouldn't. Well, mind. it means that most people, I mean, critical strategic thinking, uh, consequential thinking, is a very powerful, uh, dimensional sort of elevation in your ability to accomplish anything. Most people are very tactical; they do a lot of stuff, but they really don't have an end game other than let's make more money or, you know, pay the bills or you know, do in your cases, more, more, more mortgages or whatever. But when you get into really sophisticated strategy, I mean, look, let me say it differently. I've spent my life focusing on um, elements of business performance enhancement that each have the ability to be geometric or exponential in their impact. So not incremental gains, but things that'll go. Mm-hmm. And we decided uh, years ago to look at big drivers that were so powerful that even if you screw them up a bit, they'll work in spite of you. They're compensating. And probably the biggest ones, you change your strategy, you change your results. Mm -hmm. If you look at the majority of businesses, not, not even individuals, but businesses under, I don't know, $40 million, they're tactical as can be. They don't really have a big driving master plan that everything they do uh, integrates through. They just do whatever they're going to do episodically. Uh, You know, they run ads or they do this. There's no congruency. They're not trying to build an integrated strategy that keeps advancing and enhancing a masterful game plan. They don't have a a big vision of how this is going to produce uh, something bigger next year and the year after. And they, I mean, and they don't use relationships, opportunities anywhere close to optimal. And part of it's not even their fault, Jeff, because they have a very limited scope of reality and experience. Excuse me for moving myself yeah. one second. Okay. Can I get a little closer? Uh, I have an advantage uh, in, in all truth and probably in modesty I've done over a thousand industries, not companies. And when you look at a thousand different business models, a thousand different strategies, a thousand different ways of selling, marketing, uh, building an enduring, ever compounding business, and then you look at how most people have a very limited, uh, very, very insular, and a, a, a very, very follow the herd type of a tactical approach it's not their fault they haven't had enough experiences but very candidly and very uh i guess i'd use the word honestly to answer your question most people are tactical in nature Mm. strategy is the overriding game plan that everything is driven from tactics should only be used if they advance and enhance a big master long-term game plan if you don't really have a master long-term game plan other than i got to make enough money to pay my bills or buy a Mercedes or a bigger house or go on a vacation or, you know, or set the record so I can get the trip to, mm-hmm. you know, to Tahiti. That's not a strategy. 
Hmm. That's, you know, it's really not even a tactic. It's a hope and a prayer. It's, it's just totally different. I don't know if my answer is too abstract or whether that makes a point. Yeah, it does. It, it makes me think of um, this, this saying that I've kind of borrowed. I forget who originated it, but um, that principles, I wonder if you agree with this, principles don't change, but tactics do. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, the world today is different, but the same. I mean, mm-hmm. attention is different. Mm-hmm. And I think that many people in business, probably a lot of your viewer listeners have what I call they're suffering attention deficit from the market and they don't know why, but if you're not getting the results you want, the response you want, the distinction you want, the financial conversion you want, the referrals you want, then you better figure out why and not Mm -hmm. just keep doing a lot of the same stuff because it's not going to get you any different result. But I mean, human nature, it hasn't changed, but, but the way it, it manifests itself as, if that makes sense. Uh, let's uh, let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, how would you describe how it manifests itself as different today than it has been in the past? Well, I mean, you and I both talk. I happen to prefer mm-hmm. long-form communication. Uh-huh. You do, too. Yeah. The majority of people have little yeah, sound bites. Fans, yeah. So you have to grab them uh, beneficially and... Um, and uh, Get attention. It's all about attention right today. away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you got to be able to build trust rapidly. You got to mm-hmm. be able to connect with them where they are and how they want to be. But people are still motivated by the same drivers. They're just mm. they're just expressed differently, and they are uh, more compressed. If that makes sense. Yeah. So we bring up uh, some relevant points there. Uh, and I, I, you know, you mentioned uh, a certain percentage of my listeners are feeling, you know, um, there's this word disruption obviously happening, especially in the real estate space, right? Sure. Um, um, disruption, tech disruption, things aren't working like they used to. I'm just like referencing my notes here. Uh, I know you, you are an expert in these various areas of like preeminence, and relational capital and leveraged marketing. So I want to maybe dive into those different categories. And I know you know this space pretty well. You've been, you know, you spoke at the Mortgage Mastermind Summit in Vegas. And so you have a good understanding of kind of the mortgage market, the real estate market as a whole. Um, And in the context of we've got a lot of noise happening, we've got all these competing platforms and mediums for attention. Um, Some of the traditional methods aren't working like they used to, such as telephones, et cetera. And we know the name of the game uh, for, for our listeners, mortgage professionals, they've got some primary sources of business, right? And every, there's consumer direct, past client database, and, and referrals from referral partners, uh, et cetera. Um, the biggest challenge with that, I think, uh, of the people that I talk to is how do I show up differently? How do I not sound and look like everyone else? You know what I mean? How do I become preeminent in my space? Well, it starts, first of all, by understanding what preeminent really means and looks like. And most don't, Mm. they don't want to be preeminent. They just want to be preemptive. And there's a difference if that makes sense. (laughs) We interrupt this normal programming to bring you my message. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think they understand preeminence is a really cool concept. I mean, Mm -hmm. it starts with really uh, understanding at a depth of uh, communication and verbalization exactly what your target audience wants, what they don't want, being able to express it. It starts with understanding what trust is predicated and built on and being able to authentically convey it. 
it starts by being genuinely interested in them as more of a holistic being. So you grasp what their hopes, dreams, other things more than just getting the loan. Mm. It starts with caring enough about them that you are focused on their best interest in, to your uh, subordinated interest. It starts by really being able to be a great listener. It starts by understanding. I mean, there's all these soft skills, fascination, mm. uh, trust, curiosity, mm-hmm. communication, inflection. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, listening, I can go on and on and on, but preeminence is an integration of a lot of things and it all stems from authenticity. And I think that authenticity, I mean, I did a a work a few, few years ago on the concept of greatness, Jeff, and it was pretty Mm -hmm. interesting because uh, I don't believe any human being comes into this world unless they have a, you know, some kind of a mental defect, not wanting to be great at, all they do, great in business as a leader, a salesperson, a, a owner, entrepreneur, team member, employee, right. great as a husband, wife, father, mother, friend, lover, mm-hmm. parent, great, you know, in all, all forms. And yet almost 98% of us are mediocre. And I wanted to know why. Mm. And I'm going to tell you that because it might, it might take you a little off your path here, but I think it'll have relevance. And relevance is something I've done a lot of work on, too, in the concept of the rules for relevance. It gets real complex because people don't think about relevancy either. But back to greatness, most people don't have any clue what greatness is supposed to feel like, be like internally in your brain, in your heart, your soul, in your mind, express like, be received like, be validated like. And there's, you know, seven or eight gradients of greatness, greatness in business, greatness as a human being, greatness in this and that. And most people don't, first of all, know what it's supposed to be like in all those gradients of interaction. Second, if they if they don't know, they can't even, they don't have a framework for figuring out what kind of a reference model they're trying to get to. And mostly I can get you some help on that. Second, if they get that far, they don't have any clue on how to go from wherever the gaps are in their various segments of, let's call it deficit, uh, between great that they want to be in in one category and, let's say, mediocrity they might be at. Mm. Third is if they end up even figuring out how to get there and what path and mechanism to take the first time they try to do it. It's so foreign and awkward that they default back to status quo. Uh, just like a, a little kid who's learning to walk, talk, and unless they have somebody like yourself to support them and nourish them to a higher level, they go right back to where they were. It's a, it's a different tangent than you asked me, but a, it's sort of a forum for me expressing a lot of thoughts I, I think are relevant to your listeners or viewers. Yeah. So what did you learn about how to identify what does greatness look like? Greatness looks different to different people. The first thing you have to do is start with these number of gradients in your life, greatness as a leader, a salesperson, a mm. advisor, greatness as a human being, parent, friend, because all of it interrelates. And if you're if you're really lacking in one, it can really unintentionally sabotage and toxify the rest. 
But the way that you do it is you start by thinking about people in your life or that you have observed that you you genuinely admire, you genuinely trust, you genuinely enjoy, you genuinely feel positive and 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 better about when you're either in their in their aura or when you're observing them and then you try to isolate clinically what it is how they communicate how they listen hmm. how they acknowledge you know whatever it is and then you start thinking about whether or not those elements and attributes are uh, are achievable by you with authenticity. Some of them aren't, but you start by by saying, "Okay, I would like to have this person's this and this person's that and this person's this." And then you say, "Okay, but I can't be that person that way. How can I adapt, uh, adopt, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Take extrapolate, mm-hmm. modify?" And if so, can I do it authentically? And you start layering slowly different elements. And over time, if you understand bulletproof jackets, that they're crisscross layers of Kevlar. You know what that is? Yeah. You build a bulletproof. Uh, um, it's not a single plate. It's the crisscross. No, it's a, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's it's a it's a constant. You know, intro. interwoven. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's too again. I can get a little esoteric. I don't know if that's too clear or not. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's my job to bring it back. I think it's good to kind of set that up conceptually. And what I take away from that is that's why we have models and mentors and you know people we can observe in the in the in the wild, so to speak, right? In their daily method of operation, we can but extrapolate. I don't think most people know how to model. Mm, yeah, I don't think, and I think, I think you need you need to learn. Okay, if you're going to model somebody. Some, I mean, we try sometimes, Jeff, to pull vault in our in our in, intent on on transforming ourselves, and that's very hard to mm-hmm. do. Modeling needs it's like everything else; it needs stages and steps. If you try to do it too uh, abruptly, more often than not, you basically implode. So you're saying it's it's small incremental improvements over time. Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Even though you're looking for exponential, you can't. You, you got to do it in stages so that you are that you become comfortable with your new self, if that mm-hmm, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. It's like learning a new skill, right? I mean, it takes a while to uh, adapt to that. And you build up. I mean, mm-hmm. weightlifting, tennis, golf, right. running, right. cycling, whatever. By the way, I got to ask you, do you in your office, you still have the office over there in, uh, is it Pals Verdes? I, at, my office is right outside. It's in Torrance, but it's right adjacent. Do you still have the, uh, you mentioned mu- building muscle. I was curious. Uh, do you still have the, the pull-up bar in your office? <laughs> I used to. I do not anymore. And it's for a reason. When I was younger and thinner, I was uh, stupidly able to do, believe it or not, 800 pull-ups at a time. They weren't great pull-ups. Uh, and I had a, quite a, a physique. <clears throat> and I also was able to do 400 dips. And I had quite a physique. And now at an older age, I have uh, nine inches of titanium in my neck and I have really? no rotator cuffs and I got no wow. uh, shoulders. So I don't do as much <laughs> stuff anymore because I realized to my chagrin that your body wasn't built to do that. Now, mm. uh, you know, I try to stretch and do things that are a little more right. Uh, more compassionate to my body longevity instead of the power right <laughs> yeah, and, yeah and, and and but but yeah when you're young you you have more vanity than you do let's say logic 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. So let's bring this back to um, some tactical stuff because as you know, that's what people want. And I understand we've got to first have the strategy in, in, in place first, being very, very intentional and thoughtful, I think, about what comes, you know, for me, it's like, who do you want to be? How do you want to show up in the world? We can borrow some, some best practices for other people. Uh, but back to like knowing the space that we're in, where it's highly competitive, there's the threat of this, there's just this threat of like, of, of, well, not for everybody, because people who are confident are confident in their system and their process. Right. Um, but how do I, if I could answer the one question, uh, how do we today in the modern world that we're in, where we've got kind of modern tools of communication, um, anything you're seeing best practices or strategically that you're working with on clients that helps individual practitioners, whether it be mortgage, real estate, insurance, finance, right? Create connection, get chosen, um, be preeminent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That. Well, I mean, the first thing is, is, uh, I mean, whenever I work with anybody, we try to default first of all, to a couple of, of, uh, of activities or, 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 or uh, methodologies. First thing is, who who can you secure in your market to be your, whether it's your endorser, your benefactor, your champion, your advocate, and and it, it's beyond general referral. It's that you basically become the recommended provider, and that person or entity is very aggressively and continually committed to helping you. And, and in order to achieve that, I mean, there's different ways to do it. If it's ethical and legal, you can certainly, uh, you know, share compensation, but there's other ways to do it. The easiest way is to help them benefit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've done a lot of work where the easy, I've helped people create in the course of a year, as many as a thousand influential referral and endorsement sources that built businesses uh, uh, just gargantuan scale. And rather than teasing you, I'll tell you how we did it, okay? Yeah. We basically realized that in any marketplace, there are lots of, quote, influencers that aren't necessarily the biggest. They are the ones that deal with people repetitively and in very, very long discussionary periods. Anything from restaurant tours, hair salons, things like that. And those are businesses. They're men and women in business who have hopes and dreams and are working very hard and have committed a lot of their, you know, their opportunity costs and their, their hopes economically to this enterprise. And they want this enterprise to provide livelihood, support, uh, you know, security, retirement, all these things, fulfillment. And we've gotten people to help them grow. You're talking to me about growing your audience's success, mortgage people. But Mm -hmm. if mortgage people want to help other entrepreneurs grow their businesses and in in reciprocity, ask them at such time as that help produces results to reciprocate when the opportunity arises. And if every week you try to identify five or 10 entrepreneurs who have influence that you can start contributing to business growth, knowledge, ideas, expertise, methodology over the course of a year, 
you might have a thousand. And if you keep doing that, you could have the whole community ethically in your debt because you're helping them be better and grow. And they are only too impressed, appreciative, and they reciprocate. We've done that with great success. Mm. So that's under that's kind of your concept of relational capital. How do we yeah, leverage that? Relational capital? We have you know we have forty three ways to do right. it. And if you're going to do referral generation, rather than do it reactively, you do it very very methodically and strategically, bringing strategy back. Mm-hmm. My brain isn't in <clears throat> in a real real uh, granular and and specific mode right now. But we have something like one hundred and fifty referral generating strategies that people can right. use. And I do this exercise all the time, Jeff. We'll ask somebody, uh, does 10 to 100%, 10% to 100% of your business emanate from referrals or word of mouth? And most mm-hmm. will say yes. And we'll say, okay, how many formalized, systematized referral generating processes do you have in place right now that you adhere to continuously or your team does for you? And most people don't have one. A <laughs> few that have one don't have two. We have 150. And we say, well, if you do anything else to generate business, cold call, advertise online, there's a big gap in your in your logic. And this goes back to critical thinking, strategic thinking, consequential thinking. Mm-hmm. And advertising or cold call sales generated uh, prospect is on the outer periphery of trust building, you have to migrate them quite a bit to get them to closure. And even at closure, they're still a little bit suspect. You've got them there, but they're not sure you didn't get the best of them. They're not sure that you didn't sell them something more than they wanted or they paid more or whatever, depending on the application. Whereas a referral generated client, they know all about you. They trust you. They're ready to do business. They're more enjoyable. They cost you nothing. They deal with you longer. They're usually more profitable in size of the transaction. They're definitely more pro- profitable in what it costs you to acquire them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they refer more people, and yet most people don't even look at it strategically. They just get them episodically, intermittently. Imagine if you get 50% of your business, 100% of your business from referrals, and you don't even have one referral generating systematic strategy. If you just put one in place, yeah. And it increased at 40%. What would that do to your bottom line? If you had two and it increased at 70%, if you had three and it doubled it, what would that mean compounded over time? It's pretty, it's pretty profound, Jeff. All right. So this is, I think, relevant in the concept of um, where do people focus to, to, to try and drum up business? And in my industry, what I see a lot of people, and you probably see it too, is they're focused on the sexy, right? The bright, shiny objects, the social media. Yes. Let's ru- yeah, let's run ads, right? And I'm a big component of the referral uh, as far as the source of business. So here's this study. Got it up on my second screen over here. It's from Alexa, about 40,000 different websites they surveyed. What's the, the number one source of traffic to your website? Here's the categories. Number one source of traffic to the website. Let's guess and see what it is. Was it search, Google, all that? Direct, meaning, right, there was a direct request, go check out our website, whatever. There was a referral, right? Hey, you should go check out this person's website. Or it was social. That was like a call to action to, to go to the website. So we got four categories, different results in terms of, right, largest and least source. Sure, of, no, I get it. Yeah, the only so, thing I would say is your social and referral 
could basically overlap, but I'm sure it's right. got to be more in one of those two categories, Jeff. So we've, and I'll send this to you afterwards if you want. It's like, yeah, we've got it. like 15 different categories. We got arts and entertainment, automotive, food and drink, health and fitness. Anyway, real estate. Um, this is why I, I'm kind of like the anti message for some people in my community, 13% of traffic to, uh, real two websites in the real estate space was from social. Okay. Now that's not bad, right? When you think about it, but if you compare that to search 44% referral, 38%. Yeah, no, no. It's, I mean, today more than ever, because I mean, you've got, the only thing that's a little tragic is that is that all review sites are authentic. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it is, if you are trusting the reviews or if the reviews are people, you know, and trust, but I think that anybody who doesn't focus an enormous amount of their sales marketing um, strategic action into generating referrals, uh, uh, relational capital leveraging, Mm-hmm. And who just goes into advertising as their source is making a big mistake for two mm-hmm. reasons. One, your profit uh, level is going to be much higher. Two, your repeat level and your and your sustainability. And it's going to be much easier to close sell. So it's going to be more efficient, faster, usually larger transactions. The trust factor is already, I mean, everything about it is more preferable. Yeah. You know, it's funny when, when people hear about you and, you know, see all that you've done and achieved, right. They, they think of about you, uh, I think as obviously a marketing expert, right. Marketing guru, whatever the terms are that you want to apply to that. But then what I find interesting is when you get in and unpack some of your philosophies and strategies for, um, growing your business, for winning greater share of, of, of customer for having preeminence, I think it's interesting that you actually talk about for me, it was actually surprising perhaps in the beginning is like empathy and falling in love with your clients. I mean, I mean you, know, you can't be great in your service to others if you really don't appreciate and, and empathize and respect and, uh, and recognize that everybody has enormous value. I think a lot of people to serve themselves in their careers, their jobs, their businesses, because they really have almost a disdainful attitude to the market they serve. Mm. And and they're, they're, they're gaming themselves as opposed to gaming the system. Yeah, I love humanity and I particularly adore and and um, and admire entrepreneurs. They are, you know, they have passion, they have purpose, they started out with a vision. They're, you know, they're competing every day against you know, big business, mm-hmm. you know, they, it's, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're usually authentic. And I love entrepreneurs. If I didn't hurt for them because <laughs> I see them accept a fraction of a fraction of the business they could get, the joy they could get, the predictability they could get, the, you know, the viability, the, the wealth creation, I hurt for them. And I want that hurt to trans send itself into contribution. But I think if you can't appreciate, respect, understand, evaluate, and acknowledge your your market's relevance and and really appreciate and almost fall in love with them, you can't achieve the optimal possible because you have a disconnect. And that disconnect is friction and friction 
is evident whether you know it or not. It's evident. Yeah. It's evident in authenticity. It's evident in, in you not always, you know, communicating as fully as you could. I mean, all kinds of things that are subtleties, but it's evident. And along the lines with that, this concept concept from your your book, which I'll put links to everything in the show notes. But one of <laughs> one of my favorite books I've ever read is give, "Getting Everything You Can Out of All You've Got." Um, this in here, I love your your. It's a mindset shift. Um, you've got a definition, two two clarifications here: customer, a person who purchases a commodity or service; client, a person who is under the protection of another. It's totally true. I mean, we. We insist anytime I ever work with a client, I insist that they understand that difference. If they mm-hmm. want to be preeminent, and preeminent is extolling and, and elevating yourself above the maddening crowd, but you refer to people you do business with, I'm sorry, I'm home, you're going to hear the phone ring. No worries. As a customer, what you're really saying between the lines is, I am no better than a commodity. I am a marginalized, generic, non distinctive provider of something you can get from anybody. Maybe I'm a little bit better, a little bit worse, a little bit more or less expensive, a little Mm. bit more convenient, but I'm nothing more than a commodity. Mm. And then you struggle and say, why do they treat me as a commodity? Well, the first thing is unknowingly you, you acknowledge yourself as a commodity. (laughs) Right. Right. I just love it. I mean, there's just so many learnings. I'm just continuing to read here. I don't want to quote like every page of the book, but another mind shift for people listening. I love this is that most people think, what do I have to say to get people to buy? Instead, you should say, what do I have to give? What benefit do I have to render? And mindset. Yeah, Jeff, if you look at it, it, it's always been this way. Again, the way you Deliver it, it's changed perhaps, but we are rewarded in this life, and we always have been, for the problems you solve and the opportunities you make possible for others. Yep. If you do the same thing everybody else does the same way everyone else does it, and there's no distinction, advantage, uh, you know, there's no benefit above and beyond just, hey, you know, call me. I mean, yeah. what people try to say is give me the business you could give to someone else, but there's a big gap. They're forgetting the word because <laughs> the reason why. Yes. Often the reason why is missing. a thread that it, it, it runs through everything that you do. If there's no reason why, why would you do it? Right. All right, listen, I know for sake of time, we're almost out of time. I wanted to close out on this last thought of there's so many things I could go, but I had to focus and just pick a few ones that stood out for me. Um, and I might sneak one more in, but <laughs> what do you mean by um, explain there's no relationship between being good and getting paid? Yeah, I mean, it, it's you can be very good at what you do. You can be you know masterful, but if the market doesn't recognize the value that that goodness or mastery represents distinctively and and again preemptively meaning above and beyond the options available then it doesn't matter you mean you can be the best the best intended you can be the best educated you can be the most knowledgeable but if you can't express that to the market in a powerfully distinctive preemptive way that they see you offering them a value above and beyond their options, you're not going to get rewarded. You're going to get frustrated, Jeff. Mm, Exactly. 
I love that. Okay. Let's end it there. For those people listening, I think the the homework assignment for you is to is to get some quiet time alone in your business. Identify your overall business processes, your customer experience from the mo- first moment of awareness, right? Am I on the right track here? What's it like from yeah, the first great. conversation? All that yeah. stuff, right? Architect the good, ideal process. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I tell people your first job is to try to examine, evaluate, understand, appreciate, respect, and acknowledge that the other side is having a whole different reality than you mm-hmm. until and unless you appreciate them. And again, if you can fall in love with them, maybe fall in love with their hopes, their dreams, their drive. Mm. They're not you, but you're not they. And and that's the first step. The second is, is I mean, too many people try to manipulate the relationship they have with someone doing business with them. That's the big mistake. It should be very fluid. Even, even, uh, even what I'll call uh, not selling, but compelling communication. It doesn't have to be prepared. It doesn't have to be you queuing up, trying to get your message in. It's very, it should be very fluid and it should be very natural because you're so engaged in providing contribution, solution, opportunity to the other side that you're just really in the moment. And But it's a whole different dynamic. And you probably, I may be today, I go through moods, Jeff, so I may be a little more cerebral today, regrettably, because I have lots of very finite stuff we do with clients and we've taught people. But I think that without the mindset, yeah. I mean, you got to think differently if you want to achieve differently. How about that? I like that. That's really good for sure. And and to put a cherry on top of that, it reminds me of a quote I read by, um, you know, Dr. Robert Cialdini, um, when asked, you know, in this world of uh, algorithms and automation and all that kind of stuff, how can somebody, you know, um, rise above the noise? How can somebody have a greater impact? And he simply said, be more human. Yeah. And, and and be more connected in the real way, not the theoretical online way. But Jeff, uh, thank you. I hope this is not too abstract for your viewer listeners. No, it's awesome. Thank you very much. It's an honor to have you here. Um, and thank for you. and obviously, we're going to put links to all your stuff in the show notes. It's jabraham.com. Um, it's just abraham.com. It's just abraham.com. Okay, yeah. great. We'll make sure we have that in there. I know you have tons of resources for people to, to download and check out. So I'll encourage them to do that. Uh, and so once again, Jay, thank you so much. And listeners, uh, you know what to do. If you like this episode, uh, please leave us a review and uh, we appreciate you. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Marketing Radio. Want more truth in mortgage marketing? Get more free training and resources at mortgagemarketinginstitute.com. Hey guys, what's up real quick. Uh, you've heard about the mortgage marketing pro membership before. And I just want to quickly remind you if that you're in a place in your business where you simply need more purchase loans, you need to fill your pipeline with purchase business. Let's just face it. Agents are still a solid pillar of business and sources of purchase business for you. Well, good news. Our Mortgage Marketing Pro membership helps loan officers like you close more loans without the hassle of chasing agents or cold calling. 
done for you agent classes, expert training videos, a marketing automation platform that automates the entire process for you, everything you need to build your personal brand in your local market, attract and convert agents into referral partners, plus done for you proven marketing materials and plug and play content to make promoting your class, getting agents, butts and seats, partnering with affiliates real easy. But that's not all. You'll also get access to our weekly mastermind calls with top LOs, authors, speakers, and coaches to learn the best strategies to grow your business right now in today's market. And as an extra bonus for a limited time, for all new members, you'll get access to a database of 200 agents in your local market that have closed anywhere to, from eight to 50 transactions in the last 12 months. And we'll provide that list upload into our platform for you so you can get off to a fast start in reaching actually productive agents. So what are you waiting for? You can check out more at mortgagemarketing.pro, see more of the success stories there. And if you feel compelled to do so, book a call, we'll have a chat, we'll see if it's a fit. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your mortgage business to the next level right now. Head over to mortgagemarketing.pro.